I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello there. It is the 2nd of September. I'm Nadine Blaney, and this is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business and markets, economics. I'm here with Annette Beecher. Annette, how are you? Uh, I'm happy it's Friday tomorrow. We're <laughs> tripping over our words already. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Look, the XJO, when I was last on air, was down by about 1%, um, but staged a bit of a recovery, I can see, finishing down by half of 1%. So, okay, not great. But still, an improvement through the day. 7,486 is where we ended up. And I've got to say, if it weren't for BHP, things would have looked a lot better. Yeah, it was a bit of a trifecta for BHP because it was already getting slammed. That dual listing is, is working through the system. Uh, Ex-dividend, of course, which is just a mathematical mm-hmm. adjustment. But then iron ore fell out of bed again. So BHP probably would have fallen anyway if it wasn't ex-dividend. But just given it's, you know, it's such a market heavyweight. It really did set the tone. It did. Um, Fortescue, interestingly, is up by 2%. I had a good chat with John Noonan from Thomson Reuters about the price of iron ore and how closely it's correlated with Fortescue Metals. He sees risk to the downside to the, for the price of iron ore, and he, he does it all through the charts. So if you'd like to listen to that, you can listen to his calls um, via the show notes. And also, he, he has an Aussie dollar trade that you'll probably want to listen into if that's your thing. Um, CSL also traded ex-dividend. It was off by one6 I suppose where some of the strength came through was, well, the banks, two of them in positive territory, including CBA, up by six-tenths of a percent, and tech, so kind of mirroring what we saw on Wall Street overnight. Yeah, tech, because the NASDAQ did, uh, the as we were discussing it yesterday, ADP payrolls isn't the best indicator of the payrolls, but nevertheless, it was half what the market was looking for. And that sort of punched a bit of a hole in the broader indices. The uh, yields came down. And so, ergo, tech up. After pay up by 1%, zero as well. Wise tech up by 1%. I had a good chat with Elise Kennedy from Jardin today. She gave a bit of a reporting season wrap on those aforementioned tech names. And again, that's available via the show notes as well. Um, Look, we'll get into equities in a bit more detail in just a moment. Just before we get too far in though, Annette, trade balance today. Again, that's a story about iron ore. It is. And so the question will be, this is July. Yep. So July was exceptional for coal and iron ore. Coal keeps going, mm-hmm. but iron ore, as we all know, has fallen off a cliff. So August will be interesting. Um, imports were strong as well. That's a good thing because it turned out to be all business investment. So that's good for the economy. So even though we're importing a lot of investment, we still got a record trade surplus market was looking for 10 billion. We got 12 billion. 
billion. Believe me, when I was studying economics a couple of decades ago, there was no such thing as a trade surplus, let alone a current account surplus. So it's still relatively good news. In the old days, Aussie would have rallied on that, but I think we all know it's, uh, again, a rearview mirror story. Also out today, anyone likes to talk about housing and, geez, what a mix we got for July housing finance. Uh, but it just about crashed across the board. So finance for new activity down over 8%, but that's because Home Builder brought all that mm-hmm. activity forward. So we're just on the other side of that mountain, shall we say. First homeowners are really hitting affordability. They were down yeah. they were down nearly 7% today. Been waiting for that though. Yeah, it was th- there's so many incentives that just again brought it forward, yeah. brought it forward. I think every first homeowner is up to the yin yang in debt. That's a different discussion. <laughs> but guess who stepped up? Investors. 1.8% and up 100% year on year. So the vultures are circling. Investors don't tend to be as price sensitive. They only need an interest only mm-hmm. loan, set and forget. And that's why, you know, every other sector has fallen except investors. Well, I wonder what the RBA will be thinking about that. And uh, we'll find that out on Tuesday, no doubt. So that's what happened around the traps in economics Look, as far as overseas, we're now just waiting for the U.S. jobs report. We're going to spend all day tomorrow yep. talking about that. <laughs> uh, it is, it's, but it doesn't matter where you are, it, whether you're doing equities, currencies, yep. bonds, everyone has the same discussion the first Friday of every month. Even Good Friday, they release payrolls. So, heaven forbid, it's, uh, it's a big number. It will be over-analyzed because it's now the trigger point for tapering. So, yep. you have to watch it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we will. We'll get those uh, tweets coming in when we're trying to relax <laughs> on Friday night. Topping up that red wine. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay. Now, let's get to some of the performers today, Terra Resources was one of the worst performers. It had its price target cut recently by Credit Suisse. It was trading ex-dividend and it actually featured on the call today. Uh, If you wanted to listen to the call today, you will get some commentary on Deterra Resources. Also, the stock of the day. How do you like that segue there, Beecher? (laughs) Uh, Stock of the day was United Malt Group. And uh, we had Kashi sit down with Ben Clark from TMS Capital, Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital, to find out what they think about UMG. We actually have had our eyes on this one because uh, this firmly falls into the reopening trade, as you kind of identified there. And um, it looks to me like the the EBIT that they've um, put out there is about 5% below consensus. So, you know, it's not terrible. They are particularly reliant on patrons going back to drinking on-premise versus off-premise. That's the big driver for the um, for the product that they sell. I actually think this could be an interesting buy at the moment if I was um, mm. um, putting a recommendation on it because I think it will come back. I think there's a quality business in there and you know what's happening at the moment is out of their control. It is a reopening play and I think you see that in the update they gave. Um, the, the, they called out the US and the UK as performing well, which they're the two economies we look at right now as, as being further along that reopen path. 
but the only thing that concerns me and probably why I wouldn't buy it today is just it, it is a heavily geared business. So even on the reduced EBITDA they've got, they're running about two and a half times EBITDA. Um, you know, that, that that's a significant debt load. And so if you did see conditions worsen um, through, through you know, new waves or COVID variants, that may become a bit of a problem for me. So so one of the notes I wrote is, is you know, another capital raise probably wouldn't be out of the question, even though they did one, yeah. you know, um, during COVID last year. Um, but I'll just hold it for now um, and, and hopefully wait and see the, the, the fundamental recovery start to happen in the next couple of reports. Yeah, so that's in the portfolio. It will remain there. I was surprised by the savage share price reaction that we saw today. Even Jeffrey's coming out saying that investors shouldn't be surprised by this earnings downgrade because it's you know essentially a COVID-affected business. So it says it's very much an FY 2021 issue. So it has limited relevance for 2022 and mm. beyond. But still, we saw Macquarie, we saw Wilson's both coming out today and cutting its price target on UGL. And it ended up down by, you know, six percent today so uh, you know investors really really bolting or you know really hitting that one hard (laughs) (laughs) i am anyhow uh look so tonight in the u.s again a lot of that conversation will revolve around uh jobs still Uh, jobless claims yep jobless claims Job openings or challenger, oh. challenger something I read was out tonight. So there's two job-related uh, partial data out tonight. Jobless claims, as long as it starts with a three, that's really the rest is noise. Yeah, and um, I'm just having a quick look here. What else I had on my list to talk about? Uh, yeah, there's nothing that is really too critical to talk about just now so i don't know annette i mean i sort of feel like now that we're post-reporting season we're having a lot of the dust settling kind of conversations mm. that what do you need to do with your portfolio sort of a now kind what? of conversation yeah it is a little bit and um i think it's all worthwhile though and and i don't know about you but a lot of the conversations i've had as well sort of talking about this correction that everybody's waiting for but nobody knows well obviously what the trigger exactly is going yeah. to be but you know, you get the sense that people are actually getting it's, a little bit impatient for this to happen. It's, it's a bit odd because, you know, I've been around so long that I remember during the Sydney Olympics, it's like, I can't wait for the house price to correct after the Sydney Olympics and, and we're still waiting. So if everyone has cash on the sidelines waiting for the correction, you know, if a tree falls in a forest and, you know, does anyone see it? Yeah. I don't know. I'm starting to just feel like maybe we don't get one because anyone who says they're looking for a 10 to 20% correction says it won't last. It'll well, be they're shallow. They're going to be buying the dip. They're going to buy the dip. Yeah. So if everyone's buying the dip, maybe there's no dip. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a, it's new territory here because we've been around long enough that we know higher interest rates eat into equity valuations. It's just a mathematical certainty. Mm-hmm. But uh, who knows when those higher interest rates will come. Um, again, we've got RBA, we've got ECB next week as well. ECB's looking spicy yeah. uh, after a slumber. And as we know, the ECB even changed its inflation target in order to stop talking about tapering and tightening. But uh, even the, the big guns of ECB are starting to say, maybe we don't need the full QE program. So that'll make next week very, we haven't spoken about ECB for ages. So that will break things up a bit in macro land, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, looking forward to it all. The Aussie market, just to summarise down for the second day in a row, but again, rebounded off the lows, plenty of companies trading ex-dividend, BHP, CSL. I mean, those are big companies. Woolworths, mm. 
as well. So that is the big wait on the market. We hope you all have a really good evening or morning whenever you're listening to this. Not sure actually when, when the majority of you all <laughs> listen to this podcast. But um, regardless, uh, Annette, we'll see you tomorrow. Please see you tomorrow.